Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 220 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for hanging out here. So before I introduce today's guest, I want to let you know, because something special's coming up. I can't tell you what it is yet, but something special's coming up. And if you don't want to miss it, then you got to go to printdesignacademy.com and check out the free print design training video series that we've got started there. Three videos, all for free, to get you started with the basics and understanding print design and what you need to know to really get into print design and execute it flawlessly. I love that word. So if you are interested in print design, head over to printdesignacademy.com, free video series there for you. There's also a link in my Instagram bio just because that's the quick, cool thing to do. So today my guest is Trisha Tan. She's an experienced designer, illustrator, and animator out of London, England. She's originally from Malaysia, but living in London now, as I said. During this episode, we talk about how she was introduced to art and illustration and creativity. She also shares with us the artist and architect that creates art with objects. That's really inspiring to her. We talk about some tough times, the period of time for her struggling to find work, get a visa, find a company to back her for that, and all of that process. We also talk about the struggle with saying no. My God, is that, that's a real thing. I feel it. Everybody feels that. I feel it with my kids a lot. I'm sure everybody does. She also shares with us the challenge of streamlining her sort of creative identity. Who is she as a creative? What is she sort of known for? The struggle with trying to streamline and get that nailed down. Then she shares with us a story about a VR experience design project that she was a part of for a French basketball team, why she's so proud of it, and how Blake Griffin actually tested it out. That and so much more in this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get right to it. My guest, Trisha Tan. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Trisha, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Awesome. Good to have you on the show. I'm doing well. You know, it's a sunny yeah. day in contrast yeah. to your gloomy London. Gloomy, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just telling you about um, how gloomy it is over here. Definitely. Um, Although all I can yeah. see is like the light from the window. So it looks like a beautiful sunny day. Yeah. This is me trying to uh, let in some light with my tiny lamp <laughs> <laughs> to make it look a bit more lively. Yeah. But it was pretty like gloomy and it was like raining and it's meant to be summer. But then again, it's British weather. So I was going to say, yeah. isn't that summer in London? Yeah, it is meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully next week, though, we get some sunshine. Oh, good. That'll be good. I think That's we're what getting... I say last week, but you know. Yeah, we're yeah. expecting 22 degrees and sunny today. That's nice. Because you're, you're Celsius over there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 22 yeah. and Celsius and sunny. So it'll be nice. Um, before we dive in here, Trisha, I got to ask you, are you ready mm-hmm. for a quickie? 
Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Still don't know how to respond to that. But yeah. Perfect. I heard a yes. So we're going to get rocking here. Um, yeah. Let's start with some tough stuff. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, so I can never find like the perfect way to introduce myself, but I'm just going to try. Just wing um, it. So, yeah. So my name is Trisha. I'm originally from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I'm currently based in London um, as a full-time, working as a full-time um, experience designer mm-hmm. in a creative agency here um, in central London. Um, when I'm not working, I am um, usually designing. I'm an illustrator as well. So um, I work under the name Trisha Trains. So mm-hmm. that's like my, somewhat like my branding. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Perfect. It's... Well done. See, you cruise through that. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Usually <laughs> I take like a really long winded way of like explaining things. And then by, by the end, people are just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got the point no a few minutes ago. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> awesome. So tell me a little bit more about the, the move to London. When did that happen? What age were you like? How did that all go down? So when I moved, um, so when I moved to London specifically, it was 2018. Okay. I want to say um, towards end of 2018. But prior to that, I was back home in Malaysia for like two years, and then prior to that again, I was in Brighton, in the UK. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was just like sort of moving around, but you had a yeah, little yeah. bit of like a, the the UK yeah. taste with the the time yeah. in Brighton. Yeah. Yeah, because I studied in Brighton for like two years, and mm-hmm. then did couple of like jobs here contract jobs and stuff and then moved back for two years to work back home and then came back again yeah awesome so was the move just to sort of get different experiences or you missed being at home yeah, or was there definitely, jobs? yeah um so the reason why i actually moved back the first time was because of a visa issue okay um so i couldn't get like a working visa by that point yeah which is like a whole story that we might maybe get into um <laughs> Um, but then, yeah, the whole point of me um, moving back to London was um, to try and explore like a new city, a new place, because I think that's quite important as a designer. Yeah, but, not only yeah. as a designer, but just a, a human citizen getting like, yeah, exactly. you know, a better, a greater understanding of the world around us, you know, getting outside yes, of our little yeah, local yeah. bubbles, I think is really important. Yeah, not just about like, you know, the place, but like culture, people as well, trying to like get a new perspective, I would say. 100%. Well said, a new perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to kick this back even further. And you said you grew up in Malaysia, right? Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about your childhood. I want to hear if you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career path. Tell me a bit about that. Hmm. Um, I definitely had a creative childhood. Um, I did lots of um, crafts and drawing back in the past. Uh-huh. Um, I think um, in terms of like what influenced me, for example, like um, my creativity, I would say uh, watching lots of cartoons because yeah. um, growing up, I used to have uh, like a whole collection of Disney tapes. Nice. Uh, yeah, my parents used to buy me them um, and we had like shelves of them. So one of my favorite uh, Disney films was Pinocchio, which is quite a weird I was just gonna like say a, that's a, <laughs> that's a, you don't hear that one very yeah, often. Yeah, I'm not knocking yeah. your selection, but it's, it's you don't hear it's Pinocchio very often. Taste. It's an acquired <laughs> taste. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I Definitely. mean, it was really grim. I still don't know to this day why I like that so much, but um, I think I think my mom used to say that I would be like drinking milk from like a bottle. 
while like lying down and watching Pinocchio. It's just just imagine like a a cigar as a milk bottle is really bad, really bad. (laughs) Don't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So you're younger, you're watching these Disney tapes, you're seeing animation, you're seeing cartoons, yeah, you're yeah. seeing drawing. Did you continue to draw as a kid? Like what's the moment that you got turned on to design and illustration? I think, so I think I, throughout my childhood, I was pretty much into drawing because of, you know, say watching cartoons and um, my uncle used to buy me lots of games. Mm-hmm. So he was the first, um, so he bought me like my first computer and I started like, you know, playing lots of games, like interactive ones where you could click on like characters and then they would like react a certain way. And that used to be fun for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the days, like that was, that was fun. Um, and then I think throughout school, I was still um, creative. I used to, you know, like sell art. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I used to do people's homework. Like I was that kid nice. who was like charging people's homework kind of thing. Yeah. Entrepreneur so, from early yeah, days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you get a boss from it, so why not? Um I even used to help my brother, you know, do his homework, which yeah. Did you charge him? Yeah. We Absolutely. had like some mutual mutual agreements on trading. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. He started at a young age, this business mind. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I think um yeah my parents also did send me to lots of um art classes okay and we went to um art camps as well so they do this thing where um it's like this day trip uh, field trip sort of thing where you go out with other kids and then you start like drawing um at different places in the city mm-hmm. so that was fun i think but then growing up i was also a very like tough of myself kind of kid because mm-hmm. i would be drawing something and then no, this does not make sense. And I would just like rip people off and yeah, very, just very like critical um, with is myself that, as a child. Is that part of like Malaysian culture? Because I've heard that a lot with, um, you know, people who immigrate over to the States from, you know, Asian countries is that, that um, you're being, being tough on yourself, holding yourself like to extreme levels of accountability, um, you know, is, is sort of part of culture. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think to some degree there is to do um, with um, pressure from society. So, <clears throat> so for example, like um, you know, art is not seen as something that's glorified in, say, growing up in Southeast Asia because it's um, like a developing country. So, art is not seen as this um, practical, essential job that you you know should be doing mm-hmm. um so obviously the more practical ones would be like doctors or like lawyers and that is like you know the stereotypical um job that people would just the template job that people would the, like, want good careers yeah yeah exactly yeah. something that pays or whatever um so i think if the thought of me trying to pursue that i needed to be like really good at it to prove mm-hmm. to people that you know i can take this seriously and i can make money from it so I think that comes with the whole like pressure and trying to make the best work out of, yeah. So would yeah, you I say from, have, yeah. so do you think it's Sorry. from an early age that you really had that, like, if I, I, I don't want to do the academic route. So if I'm going to prove that art and design is the direction I need to do incredibly well. Yeah. I think that's sort of, um, it came into play more in towards like my high school times, like secondary school, um, because you had to pick like a subject, like you either chose science or art, you know, you had that sort of like two um, classes and it's quite common in Asia for 
I'm not sure about like other countries, but like in Malaysia, you have to pick like a core subject, so like physics or chemistry, and then there's like the art class, and you know, there's always this like fine like this line between you know, this is the good class and this is the bad thing. So yeah, definitely there's quite some pressure on there. Yeah. So almost set up in a way that you could go science and that's the good direction, or you can go art because you're not good at science. Yeah, that's what people seem to think, uh, mm-hmm. seem to have like that mindset. Um, again, like this brings me back uh, to what I said earlier about, you know, developing country. And um, when you look at um, jobs that you want to see success out of, and art is just like not, you know, in that list of, mm-hmm. um, yeah, which I don't blame why people think like that in the past, but that has to do with for sure, like what's been going on. Definitely. I can see that being the way back then. I definitely feel that um, it's changing and design and demonstration is taken significantly more seriously than it used to seem like sort of an outsider thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you talk about like, you know, the nineties and compared to like what's happening now with social media, the internet and whatnot. Yeah. So tell me about when you decided to really go for design and illustration. Did you have support of your parents? Did you have a you know a coach in your corner to pursue that direction, or was that a tough sell? Yeah, I think so. I think my parents were generally quite supportive. Awesome. Um, yeah, so they were pretty um, supportive about that. Uh, they encouraged me to like you know pursue my dreams, but I think um, there was sort of like also kind of worried because there was one point that I did stop being creative for a while because of the, you know, the pressure and like, everything's not good enough. I mean, it still happens now. I mean, mm-hmm. it happens to everyone. But um, when it happened during high school, I sort of took it seriously and I was like, no, okay, maybe I should try something else. So the, I think their worries um, was that that could happen again. And because they were funding my education, they couldn't be like, um, yeah, if you're not cool with this, just drop it. Let's pick something else. So that we couldn't have that luxury of, you know, just testing it out or bouncing around and testing. Yeah, things. yeah, exactly. Like moving courses and things. So, um, yeah, I would say that there was supportive and I eventually went to art college mm-hmm. when I was uh, 17 and then eventually got my first ever design job in second year of college. And I was like, I think eight. No, I'd say nineteen, mm-hmm. like that. So that sort of like took um, the next step um, in my, you know, the beginning of my career, so to say. Yeah. Very cool. So I think that's like the official path towards me becoming, um, you know, a designer. And so ni- nineteen is sort of where you put yeah. the official stamp on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, I was lucky enough to have. Um, we had this um, final project and we had this external assessor coming in and he was looking for like one or two people to work in his company okay. and they had to pick up. Yeah. So that, that was how I got that job. Nice. So one or two out of how many students in the class? Um, I don't remember, but it was a pretty big class, like 40 people. Wow. That's a win. Yeah. Yeah. So I was quite glad that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so then you can go to your parents an and say, now I've got a real job oh. and it's all good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Good to hear. So you had the influences of Disney and video games and that sort of artwork and creative when you were younger. Is there something else or something that stands out to you as the most influential design or piece of art of your life so far? Something that you saw and has just stuck with you? Um, 
I gotta have a think about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I'm not sure about a thing. So what do you mean, like a design? Like, yeah, a design, a piece of art. It could be an ad. It could be a brand. It could be a logo. Mm-hmm. Anything that you you saw at sort of a pivotal point in your childhood um, or younger years or teenage years where you saw and you went, and it just it flicked a switch for you. I think I don't have a great answer for this one, but um, I think something that is quite influential probably be because I just. Are you familiar with the City Mapper, the app? No. It's like Google Maps, basically. Okay. But it's really intuitive because you could, um, you know, like pick your sort of mode of transport and then you could just click like where you want to go and it lists out all the kinds of like different buses you should take and yeah. it's very specific. So that's a weird one, but no, I guess but it I is I see the tie-in. <laughs> I see the tie-in with yeah. experiential design because yeah. obviously the way that that app functioned really mm. stood out to you. Yeah. So I guess in that aspect of you know um, it being quite influential, um, I think app design has definitely um, something in it. Um, yeah. So have you ever experienced an app that you open up and you go to use and you're like, oh, this is horrible? Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> I can't really think of one right now on top of my head. But you remember but having the thought. Yeah, 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 for sure. And there's always bad apps out there. So <laughs> <laughs> There's always bad apps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure about like design, but I think if you, like in terms of like um, being influential, maybe like, People, I would say people are quite influential um, in that aspect, like being in um, a community of like, like say designers, mm-hmm. like a creative design community that's quite important. So I like that you said uh, that because it kind of ties into the next question about who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? Um, and what, mm-hmm. what about them do you like? What's been influential um, to your career from them? Oh, okay, so... I can't, there's like loads of designers that I follow, so I can't really pinpoint like just one of them, mm-hmm. but um, probably say, maybe I'll say someone who is like not in the same field that's not directly related to mine. Okay. Um, so there's this, there's this artist called Red Hongi. So she's like an architect. Have you, I'm not sure if you've heard of her. No, I haven't. Or... Okay, so she's like this um, artist slash architect. Okay. Um, she's she's Malaysian, but she's based down in Australia. Okay. So she does. Um, are you familiar with Art Attack? Art Attack, art, like the show. Yeah, Art Attack. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? I love yeah. Art Attack. <laughs> so, so you remember how he used to make um, big like installation pieces 100%. using like socks or something? That was my so, favorite part of the show. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's always like towards the end, isn't it? When they're... yeah, <laughs> yeah, right to the end, and you're um, guessing right up until the reveal. Yeah. Like, what is it? Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's like the fun thing. Um, <laughs> so she does bait us things that are similar um, in that sort of direction. So she uses um, materials, say, like coffee cups or like tea bags to make art. So like portraits, for example. And it's really cool. Um, and I think, I think it's really like inspiring to see her use her art to like sort of express like her thoughts on like you know social issues and mm-hmm. things like that like say she recently um started publishing this series called um hashtag i'm not a virus mm-hmm. 
So it's basically a series um, tackling against, you know, like racism during, you know, the whole like COVID-19 situation Mm -hmm. um, where like Asian people were being like harassed um, and like shouted at like go back home like you brought the virus you know yeah and like really like offensive things like that so what she did was um she had this like really big bamboo weavings and she like charred like burnt like the bamboo i can't really describe it but like burning the bamboo to make it look like um to make it like portraits of people so people who were like yeah so people who were i wouldn't want to say victims but people who are harassed and like you know abused because of racism um i'm not doing a good job explaining her work like, no i'm, I'm getting it, it but does she have an instagram account because i definitely want to yeah. shout that out for so people I, to check out i think if you type in red like the color red yeah and then home h-o-n-g okay and then y-i red home Yi. okay yeah it should pop up like she's pretty popular awesome i definitely want to check that out but so she took these people who were, uh, you know, identified because of their race and shouted out at due to this whole virus situation. And yeah, she, so she like spoke up, yeah. Exactly. She spoke up Use and created portraits of them mm-hmm. by yeah. burning their image into bamboo. Bamboo weaving, yeah. like That's cool. Of, yeah. yeah, and there's this other project that she did. Um, I think it's called Seeds of Hope. Okay. Um, so what she did was she used um, different, like, I want to say beans or like seeds okay. <laughs> um, to like form faces of people who've been um, a big impact in like really helpful and during this pandemic, like nurses, doctors and people like that just to give thanks and yeah, like a mansion. That's cool. I like that idea. And it, you know, you nailed, you nailed it by saying it's kind of like a giant art attack and that yeah. you know, is something <laughs> I, I like directly identify with because I totally remember I that because this is not a gift and it just is but yeah have a look yeah she does pretty cool yeah it's inspirational to you it's influential to you yeah very cool yeah i mean i don't do art attack stuff but you know hey there's always time trisha yeah maybe career change yeah this is your this is your sign this is the moment where you switch to just full-time giant art attacks yeah. <laughs> the next session we have, it might be to do with something else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next couple of questions I have for you, Trisha, take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Um, so first I want to start by asking, what has been the most challenging period of time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um... So I want to say the most challenging time to be this time, the pandemic, but I think that's, you know, it goes without saying, mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious, um, it's, it's um, same with everyone. Um, I think I would say um, the journey to obtaining um, the visa to, to work here, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, that's like, um, if that's not boring. <laughs> No, so what period of time was that? Give, um, me, give me some timing and context. So, so I graduated from uni. So as you know, I went to college and then mm-hmm. um, did some work and then went to uni again. So that was in 2016. Okay. Um, 
so while studying, I was also working part time as like contract jobs as an art director and stuff. Um, so towards the um, end of my um, my uni, I started applying for lots of jobs. Um, I think the challenging part of it was going into all these interviews. Like I've been to like dozens of them, mm-hmm. and to find out that the reason why you're not, you know, um, they wouldn't employ is because of a working visa. Um, because I would, I would get through like, you know, the stages of, you know, doing an art test and then being like top five and then being top three and then, mm-hmm. and then them saying that, no, you need a visa. And then I was like, oh, so, um, yeah, I think that was quite challenging, um, you know, to obtain. Mm-hmm. So, to so you're being, and, like, yeah. so you're being, okay. you know, essentially turned down from these positions because of this visa formality and yeah. So what did you do to, so at the, at some point, did you just go, okay, this isn't working. I need to address this. Yeah. So towards the end, I think it was like, at, by that point I had, you know, dozens of like interviews and I was getting, it was quite demotivating because I was living at, in Brighton at that point mm-hmm. and most of the jobs were in London. So I was like on trains each day, just going to like three interviews for a day, like arranging it for it to be on the same day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, yeah, it was quite like demotivating every time you come back um, to know that, you know, because you need this. I'm not sure if you, you're you aware of um, how the visa system works in the UK. I'm not sure if it's the same. No, tell uh, me about that. Um, so you basically need um, a company to sponsor you. So be basically sponsor your visa mm-hmm. and um, tell basically say that, yeah, I'm going to employ you and therefore give you a visa. Uh, apply for your visa so these companies are getting through these interviews and they're they're they need to hire you and then for your visa say that they're going to hire you yeah so what they needed to do was be listed under like there's this list of like people registered um companies that are registered to be able to give out those visas and then apply for those visas but then i think each company has like a quota um yeah, so I think one of the biggest companies that went uh, for an interview was the BBC. So you think that you know they would have the opportunity Familiar to provide you with this? Yeah. Yeah, but I got to the because they have lots of like different rounds of interviews. So mm-hmm. like the like the big tests, and then you have like the third, and then you meet the other people, and then there's like lots of different rounds. But then somehow they just couldn't um, sponsor me at that time. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was questioning it? <laughs> no, so you're going through and you go through these interviews thinking that, you know, one of these jobs is going to click. One of these jobs is going to help yeah. me get this visa. And did somebody finally come through? How did this all come yeah, to an so end? Yeah, so this, okay, so this is like, uh, it sounds like a fairy tale story, but <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you. So towards the end of, um, so it was like a week before I had to fly off. Okay. I was contacted by this company who told me that they wanted to see me, to interview me. Um, they were aware of my visa um, requirements, but said that it was okay. So I just went to see them anyway. Um, long story short, I did not get the job at that time. Um, but then <clears throat> we sort of stayed in touch. So over like the years, I like kept in touch and we became like friends. Um, I came back one time to London to have like drinks with them and then and they sort of like asked me to if I wanted to still work in the UK. 
And I was like, yeah, and here we are now. So I'm currently at that company. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So that happened yeah. in 2018? So that happened, yeah, yeah. Okay, I hope so, I'm not getting the years wrong, but I think, yeah. It's, it, it's enough for enough for context, really, where yeah, you, yeah. you have to go back to Malaysia because your visa ran out, essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So you're in contact with this company, you know, you're building this relationship yeah. with the company. Yeah. And you because can... I was genuinely keen on their work as well. They yeah. Like, yeah. So you wanted so. a job at this place and it just so happened that they reached yeah. out to you a year yeah. and a half later. Yeah, pretty much. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. But that goes to speak to like persistence. Like don't give up just because it didn't yeah, click the first time. Definitely. It's always to do with lots of hard work resistance and a tiny bit of luck or maybe a lot of luck <laughs> in this sense but yeah i mean they're amazing you know, giving me the opportunity yeah it's been great yeah awesome so you've been there two years now yeah almost two years yeah perfect i love that okay so in this next one i want to get a little bit more specific trisha can you tell me about a specific design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or did not bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Um, I wouldn't say that there is a particular project that didn't go well, but, but I could think of like a couple of instances um, back in like the job I had in Malaysia where things did not go well, but I think this also kind of applies to, you know, lots of projects out there, I would okay. say. Um, one of it was, um, you know, saying yes to projects that you know wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as designers, we tend to be like really excited about, you know, taking on project and you're like, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. And then you tend to like, just take on everything. And then when you realize that there is a timeline involved, yeah. that's when things just like go downhill. Um, cause obviously everything affects something else. And then, yeah. So I think that is quite like a big um, um, flaw. Yeah. Something that doesn't, you know, cause a project to not go well. And it hasn't happened just once, but it's something like a recurring thing that we should, we should probably be aware of, you know? Yeah, it's so hard to just to say no sometimes, right? Like, yeah. And like you said, you, you said it correctly, when, you know, you see something that's really exciting and you want to be a part of it, um, you know, you can very easily get swept up in that. Yeah, yeah, let, yeah, let's do it. There's like that excitement. Yeah, exactly. And then it's I mean, not... it's good, you know, to have that kind of um, intent of like wanting sure. to do it. Yeah, but but sometimes maybe not so. <laughs> it, it can sometimes get you in trouble. Yeah, and also sometimes clients tend to be. I feel like clients tend to treat us like a food menu, you know, they'll just be like pick one one of these ideas, pick one of that, and just like, let's let's mix it all together. And then my sword is like, can I have fries with that? And it just, <laughs> there's lots of mesh. And then if you say yes to like, you know, too much of that, and then you got to just basically learn how to say no. That's what I'm getting at, I guess. Um, so, yeah, there were definitely some instances. So, of do, projects you, so do you say no now? Um... I try and keep it like a balance. <laughs> try to see how things go. <laughs> try not to rush into it too much anymore. Yeah. But that comes with comes with experience of saying yeah, yes and either filling your plate too much or yeah. 
you're just basically ending up missing deadlines and not not delivering to maybe the extent that you wanted to deliver yeah yeah definitely i think um with experience you'd sort of know what is like your level and how you could fit everything into a timeline and what's feasible or not um yeah definitely lots of uh, trial and error going on yeah, you almost have to get yourself into some trouble by saying yes too much in order to learn to say no or yeah, to monitor yeah, it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to say yes first and then slowly say no because yeah. you don't want to restrict yourself too much as well. Yeah, definitely, especially in the early days. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Um, Trisha, what is something that you're struggling with in your design career right now? There are many things. <laughs> um, let me see, like a couple that I can think of. Um, I would say my creative identity, if that makes sense. Interesting. Tell me more about that. Uh, so you know how everyone's basically on social media right now, right? Everyone's trying to promote themselves, mm-hmm. be like the best version of yourself. You know, do this thing, do one thing, and make it great. But the thing is, I tend to do everything. <laughs> And I don't know which side I should show to the world. I mean, not the world, but, you know, social media. So I tend to, say, do, like, design work and also illustration work. But if I were to post, say, an illustration page, like an Instagram, for example, people who look at that page will think that that's all I do. Mm. Um, there's that, like, weird kind of um, reintroducing of yourself that you have to like a conversation that you have to have and be like, oh no, so I also this do this other thing and that's my main thing. But then this is also my side thing. So like, how do you basically sell yourself as, yeah. I mean, being adaptable is good because I tend to do that with my work a lot because um, mm-hmm. it's good for you to be able to um, be hands-on with all these different like skills and like skill sets so that you could communicate say, if you work in UX UI and you knew like the basics of coding mm-hmm. you could then easily talk to a developer and that's great but then you if you have like too much of this what do you do with it yeah that, I guess that's my oh I hear you there so so your your day job is that yeah. UX is that illustration what is that primarily so that is experience design okay so that's uh, primarily experience design yeah so you would say that your illustration work is more of like you can do it or you can do it well, but it's more of like presented as a side gig right now. Um, I would say it's something I do as like a freelance, um, like Trisha trains kind of project, you know, Um, and also, you know, like personal and a hobby. Yeah. But I mean, I do use um, illustrations once in a while Mm -hmm. at my full-time job because um, experience design does cover quite a lot aspects of it depending sure. on like um the project obviously so there is like sometimes you you talk about creating interfaces you talk about um creating visuals like illustrations and yeah this it just covers it's like an umbrella of like, yeah things. so you really need to have yeah. you know multiple yeah. multiple different skills or at least um a basic knowledge of multiple skills so that if you yeah, exactly. aren't a web designer you should at least know about web design and know yeah. how to speak a little bit of HTML language and web design language to properly communicate what needs to happen. Yeah, exactly. 
Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, I know what you mean with that sort of where, how do you present yourself online when you've got a few different skill sets? Yeah. Do you present them all? Do you present one and have a separate account for a different one? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think people, people also always just want to know, like, what's your one line USP? (laughs) What is that one, like, elevated pitch? Like, what is that thing about you that would make me interested in hiring you? Or, like, being interested in your work, you know? And, yeah, I think that's somewhat of a struggle to sort of condense everything into just one line. Yeah. 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 Just, uh, I'm creative. Yeah, creative human being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm a creative human being. That's it. <laughs> okay, Trisha, I'm going to turn this bus around here for you. Um, tell me about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. Uh, so uh, I think I would say it's this recent project that we did for a basketball team in Paris. Okay. I can't pronounce their team, but I think it's, because it's a French word. I'm sorry to your French listeners, but <laughs> I think it's QK54. So it's Q-U-A-I. Okay. I just call it Quai 54 but I think it's K54. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's that's actually a virtual reality project that we did, an experience. Um, so that was launched in Paris. I think it was last year. I'm like losing track of time now, but... Um, yes, at some point. <laughs> um, so it was for a French so, basketball team. Yeah. So what they wanted was to basically... Um, so we built this... Let me just restart. <laughs> we built this um, VR basketball court so people could like throw hoops, uh, throw balls into the hoops. And then also basically have like um, a spiral of like videos that you could play. So you could just aim the, the ball at any video and it just plays and it's like... Um, what is that word? Like heritage videos of um, what the team was like in the past, you know, how they've grown to be what they are today. Um, so yeah, it goes by like the years, <clears throat> basically like a timeline. So the person the, puts on yeah. these, the VR goggles yeah. essentially. Yeah. And they have this basketball in VR mm-hmm. and they can, they, they look around a court and there's these different, videos and they throw yeah. the ball at those videos and that's what sort yeah. of takes up the screen and starts playing exactly you got it yeah perfect yeah. <laughs> you described it perfectly good like, with my <laughs> limited vr knowledge yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think yeah i think that's quite um it was an interesting project and uh, one of the basketball players blake griffin i'm not sure if you yeah. know yeah, yeah yeah so he played our experience he like sort of not played yeah he played our experience yeah, got to try on, so that was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I think that was that was the project. So was that was that something that you're proud of just because of the end result and how great it turned out, or was it you know part of the was it just a unique project, a unique experience to create for people? I think it was um, it was definitely a unique experience, not just for you know the people, but also for me, because that was like my first step into um, dealing with like virtual reality, and I got to learn quite a lot from my developers. That's cool. So that was really fun, um, and also yeah, the people, the consumers were like really excited using it, and it was this really simple like simple game experience that all you had to do was just you know shoot a hoop and play a video and that's it nothing <laughs> complicating and that, that was it 
it was for yeah a launch yeah so if people wanted to see what this looked like is there a place that they can go to see yeah videos of it or pictures of it or something yeah so it's um i have projects on my behance page okay so if you go to behance.net slash trisha trains um you should be able to find it yeah and that's i have like t-r-i-c-h-a t-r-i-c-h-a and trains t-r-a-i-n-s yeah awesome yeah i'll check that out because i definitely want to see what that looks like i'm always fascinated by virtual reality and and seeing what's possible yeah yeah it's quite a lot you can do with virtual reality Mm -hmm. perfect okay well let's let's wrap this up with the ask it forward question trisha this is where i have a question for you from my last guest and you get okay. the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Cool. So my last guest was Jay Farrakane from Angry Bullvine out of Boulder, Colorado. And um, I had a really great conversation with him just a couple days ago. And he actually has a an old like camping trailer that's been converted into his office. And it looks super cool. Well, okay. um, but he does a lot of great work, a lot of print and packaging work. So he wanted to ask you, if you weren't doing design today, what would you be doing? Oh, that's funny because I was going to ask that question. Were you really? (laughs) (laughs) Great minds think alike. Yeah. Um, What would I be doing today? Uh, So before I picked to be a designer, I was thinking of becoming an architect. Okay. But then I figured that my buildings might fall because I'm really bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not good. People don't need that. Um, I think, so if I don't have an eyesight problem, I think I would be a pilot. Because mm. I do like traveling and, you know, free travels. Yep. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm a pilot. That's a cool one because yeah. <laughs> I remember watching a show a couple of years ago where it was just this guy who had his pilot's license and he had a small plane and he would basically fly around like the Caribbean. He'd fly around like all of these destinations with little islands and it was a seaplane. Yeah. So he would just land in the ocean, buy an island, pull up on the island and get out of his plane and hang out on this island. Like Man. you could just like fly anywhere, yeah. land anywhere. Near that is, that water. is ideal. Ideal. That would be a yeah. really cool experience. It'd be like cool that. to own like a private private plane as well. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, so what is your ask it forward question? Now, if you don't want to think of a new one, oh. you can definitely use that one and we can still carry that forward. Yeah. Let me try and think. Okay, say say if you had to pick a country that you want to live in okay. and work, what country would you pick? You know, post pandemic. When you can travel. So when you're able to travel again. <laughs> when you're able to travel, yeah. If you could work in any country, what would it yeah. be and why? Yeah. I like it. I like that question. Trisha, you've made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest Thank today. You. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening in. I really appreciate it. Again, if you are interested in graphic design for print, you got to get started somewhere. Go to printdesignacademy.com. No strings attached. Free video series there. Three videos to get you started in the right direction for graphic design for print. Creating amazing print for your clients, maybe even for you. Promotional stuff for you, you know? Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Bye.